Well, before we go into uh, prayer tonight, I thought I would take the time and uh, we're going to have each and every night, uh, we're going to be having a word of encouragement because I think it's important that we set the tone for what we're believing God for. And, uh, and I'm just excited about what God is going to do. I really am. Um, and I pray that you would be as excited and that you come with an expectation. Um, Lord put something on my heart as I was praying about um, how to start um, this, I call it a little devotional. And uh, he put on my heart uh, Joel. If you, can, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Joel chapter number two. book of Joel, chapter number two, and we're going to be talking tonight from verses 12 to 17. Joel, chapter number two, verses 12 to 17. Here in the book of Joel, the, the people of God found themselves in a situation where they were in trouble. The land of Judah at this time was devastated by famine. It was devastated by uh, locusts and plagues were, were in the land and the vegetation was destroyed and cattle and sheep was destroyed, which was the source of their economy and their income at that time. And God sends the prophet Joel to come with a word to share with them. And they were in a situation where they were in despair. How many of you have ever been in despair? They were in despair. They were, there was a feeling of hopelessness in the land. And they had concluded that the reason that they were in this situation was because God was bringing judgment on the land of Judah. And so Joel, being a prophet of that day, God put a word in Joel's mouth to give to the people. And Joel began to prophesy the word of the Lord. And even as it is in that day, so I believe the same spirit of God is speaking to the church. Because I believe that as it was in the land of Judah in those days, there were problems and there was troubles. There were and we may not be experiencing plague, plagues or anything or famine or anything like that in our time. But how many know that our land is in trouble today? Our nation is in trouble. God has been rejected in our society. It's almost like. You can't even mention a name and don't even dare mention God's name in the public school system. Because if you do that, then, you know, you're going to be chastised or you can say anything else and kids can wear T-shirts and everything else. But they cannot mention the name of God. Don't mention the name of Jesus. But people glory in today is what they used to be ashamed about. Back in the day when I was growing up, 
You know, he used to be ashamed to be involved in any kind of perversity. But now, how I many you know that they're debating on the Congress floor? I heard this today, so you can get a glimpse of what, what's going on here in America. They're on the f- Congress, on the floor of the Congress. They are debating marriage between same-sex partners. Now, how many know that it used to be back in the day that wasn't even thought about? But today it's well accepted because the bar has been lowered. Crookedness is in our government. We're discovering now that how much money a lot of these people were making and You see that a lot of our congressmen and senators are perhaps have been somehow intertwined in this kind of uh, deception and this kind of really abusing and fleecing of the people. We see it today in our nation. Our economy is in trouble. Hatred and bigotry is still on the rise in our nation. You can't watch TV nowadays for five minutes because your spirit would be offended. Used to be a time you can sit down and you can watch stuff like the Brady Bunch and, you know, good, wholesome things. But but you cannot do it anymore because our nation is on the decline, morally speaking. And I believe me personally, I believe that many of the problems that we have in our nation today. Now, I want to tie this into the church. But many of the problems that we have in our nation today is because we have failed to recognize God. We have we have decided to, you know, that 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 there are no absolutes. How many of you have ever done a study of the founding of our country and you understand that the founding fathers had a whole different perspective on this? They recognize the the importance of God. They recognize how that. God was the central, um, the central, uh, for lack of better words, the central thought or the, 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 the central way by which we were to behave and to connect with one another in a society. And so America today finds itself in a situation that we are in trouble as a people. Now, here's the thing. What do the church do? What do we do? Because all of us live, you know, we live in this society because this is where God has planted us. And God has us here because there's a calling as it was in Joel days. The spirit of God sent Joel, said, Joel, I want you to go and talk to the people, gather everybody together, because there is a serious problem here. And only A call to repentance and turning to the Lord is going to help. I believe this, that the church is the hope of the world. And largely, if this thing is going to turn around in any way, it's going to have to be us coming together in these times. Us coming together in this kind of environment and beginning to call on the name of the Lord and ask God to intervene in our circumstances and in our situation. So Joel comes with a message, and I believe that the same message that applied in that day applies to us today as the church. 
because you and I are the standard bearers. You and I are the ones that supposed to be crying out for God's mercy over our land. If we don't, who will? Because our children and our children's children will inherit this. Look what he says in verse number 12. He says, now, therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart. We talked about what that meant yesterday, that when we turn to the Lord with all of our heart, we give God our full attention. This is a message I believe that God has for the people of God, for the church in this generation. He says, turn to me with fasting. That's what we're doing. With weeping and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. How many know just showing up in church is not enough? Because in those days when they, when they would rend their garments, it was an outward uh, sign that they were uh, 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 serious or that they were uh, uh, really trying to, to, to get right with God or to connect with God. And so they will rip their garments to show that they really need God and they were really in a difficult place and needed God to move. But interesting, he says here to rend your heart and not just your goals. In other words, it's not about the outward show. It is about each and every one of us tonight engaging the Lord with our whole hearts. It's not about the outward show. It's not about just saying, I come and I've, I, I've showed up, but it's more. God wants a people that will open their heart and let God come in. God wants us to come to a place as the people of God to put off, to take off the masks, to take off all the things that we want to portray to make everybody think that we're one way when we know that we need the Lord, that we're struggling, that we're having issues. He says, so return to the Lord, for he is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger and of great kindness. And he relents from doing harm. Who knows? He will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him and a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord, for the Lord your God. He's saying there that. Who knows? Who knows and, and, and who realizes in this place as we seek the Lord that when we call out upon his name, that how many know God is gracious, he's slow to anger, he, he, he's great in kindness. Who knows if God will relent and change his mind? You know, he says in, I believe, Second Chronicles, he said, my people who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray and if they will seek my face, I will hear from hear from heaven and I will heal their land. This is what the message that God has for the church. If my people, my people, how many know that's you and me? We are the church. God's given us an invitation. He says, OK, we're looking at all this violence on TV. We're looking at all this uh, unrighteousness on. The, and we see all of this. Stuff. God is saying, if my people, my people, the people who call upon me, the people who say that I'm their God, he's saying, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear. 
then I will hear from heaven and then I will heal their land. So as we're gathered here tonight, there's an expectation from the people of God to believe that that when we call upon him, that he will heal our land. For he says in verse number 15, blow the trumpet in Zion. Blow the trumpet in Zion. See, trumpet is symbolic of opening up your mouths. I believe that in our generation that we have what I would call too many secret service Christians. You know what a secret service Christian is? Secret service Christians are people who say, well, I won't open my mouth unless they say something to me. You know, because I don't want to force my religion or my beliefs on anybody else. Um, you know, because everybody have their beliefs. You know, you have your way. I have my way. Somehow it all meshed together and we'll get there in the same place. And, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that, number one, we're the light of the world, right? He says that we're the light of the world. He says that we are to blow the trumpet. In other words, we're to open our mouths. We're to tell the people about the goodness of God. We're to warn people to let them know that Jesus is on the way back and that we need to come together. We need to consecrate a fast. We need to believe in our God. We need to trust and we need to know that our God will use us if we are willing to open our mouths. God did not call us to be secret service Christians. Whether you're on your job, God called you and me to take the initiative. I mean, no, Jesus didn't walk around saying, uh, you know, uh, can I can I share a word with you? He just went around preaching the gospel. And he told people of what the situation was. Now, if people chose to believe good, if they chose not to believe, then that's on them. But he what he opened his mouth. I mean, no, you got to open your mouth. He says, consecrate a fast. That's what we're doing tonight. We're we're fasting. He said, call an assembly because, listen to me, the times called for it. The times called for it, for them to come together. He says, consecrate, call everybody together because this is a very, very serious time. And I believe that many of us as believers that we miss and we don't recognize the seriousness of the hour. He says in verse number 16, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders. Gather the children and the nursing babies. Let the bridegroom go out from his chamber and the bride from her dressing room. Let the priests who minister to the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare your people, O Lord. This must be our hearts cry, church. That we are to cry, he says, to weep before the porch and on the altar and that we cry out, Lord, spare your people. And do not give your heritage to reproach that the nation should rule over them. And turn over to 2 Timothy. Uh, we're going to read this passage before we go into prayer. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter number 
3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And this is just to kind of give us an inside window into the times that we're living in today. Because the times that we're living in today, when we read this passage of scripture, it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Now, of course, these things have always happened through the history of time, but it speaks of the frequency as we get closer to the return of Christ. The frequency of these things will increase even more and more. But he says in verse number, in uh, chapter 3, verse number 1, but know this, that in the last days, Perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. How many know that people would do anything for a dollar today? They're lovers of money. In other words, money means everything. I'll I'll sell my body. I'll advertise myself. I'll do whatever I got to do. But the lovers of money means that whatever it takes in order to make a buck, I'll do it. Lovers of money. Boastful and proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Let me tell you something. This disobedient to parent thing is just not just a a, a casual thing. This thing is real. It's almost today looked at as being norm when kids disobey disobey their parents. It's okay for me to be disrespectful to my my parents because and I've heard parents say, you know, you know, they are their own people. And they need to disobedient to parents, and we tolerate it. But he's talking about the characteristics of the last days. He said they will be unthankful and unholy, unloving and unforgiving. I mean, we live in a generation today where people are unforgiving. They're slanderers. You know what slanderers do? They falsely accuse people, and they will abuse their good name. They are without self-control. They are brutal. Brutal. He's talking about the last days. That seven-year-old girl that was murdered in Florida. I thought about this, and, you know, I got a seven-year-old daughter. And I thought about how that is one thing to kidnap somebody at that age, an innocent person. And it's a terrible thing. But then I thought, how even worse that you not only kidnap them, but then you, you rape them and then you throw them in the garbage can. Now, in our minds, we can't even think, we can't wrap our minds around that because that is so far, I mean, it's so far gone beyond, I mean, beyond what we can think or imagine that people will think that way, to think to do something that evil. You know, the scripture says they're brutal. That means they're callous. That means that you know what? I don't really care. This is the time that we're living in. They're despisers of good. They're traitors. They're headstrong and they are haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Folks, this is a generation that we live in today. People seek their pleasure rather than seeking God. They have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. He says from such people, turn away. 
People that have a form of godliness are people who are religious. They do religious things. They may go to church every now and then. They may know a couple of scriptures. But he says that they have a form of godliness, but deny his power. You know that every time when we. It's one thing to read the word of God, but how many know that the Bible said the man that does the word of God is going to be blessed in his deeds. And every time that we don't obey the word of the Lord, then what we are in essence have done, we have denied God's power. We have a form of godliness. I'm religious. I do religious things, but that's not where it's at. Where it's really at is, are you submitted to the word of God? Are you living according to the purposes of God? So we live in a generation today where you see how many know that it's, it's easy to see people on the stage. You know, we, we're talking about this is consecration week, right? This is the time we're drawing near to God. They wear crosses. They talk about the Lord. But then you see their actions and it contradicts. And you sit back, you say, well, I thought they said they were a believer. Sorry about that. I thought they said that they were a believer. Then why are they acting that way? Why are they? Because many of them have a form of godliness, but they deny his power. We are the people of God who do not deny God's power. We submit to the authority of his word. And if God's word says it, then we're saying we're going to roll with it. Because it's not about religious activity. It's not about any of that. It is about allowing God's power to work its way into our lives. It is, it is when we come to this word that we say, Lord, I'm not perfect, yes, but you know what, Lord, my aim is to be obedient to the word. Whatever you reveal to me in the word, God, I'm ready to obey it. Okay? I'm ready to obey it. Some folks are so concerned in our generation today with just trying to be religious. But how many know religion is a source of many wars, many conflicts, and many problems today? Religion. Think about every conflict in the Middle East. What is all about religion? Christianity is not about religion. It's about relationship. It's about loving God. It's about knowing him and surrendering our lives to him. And so, and so tonight, I thought it would be good that we set the tone. And we pray for our nation. Um, we're going to pray for other things, but we need to pray that God to have mercy on our nation. We need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to pray for this city. We need to pray for our country. And we need to call out for God's mercy over this land. Because God says, if my people... If, if you're sick and tired of seeing people getting shot up in the street and getting killed, if you're sick and tired of seeing the church bicker, if you're sick and tired of seeing our government corrupted and people hating each other and all that, and if you're sick, then we need to come together and pray. This is what we're doing tonight. Let's just say, you know, tonight it's going to cease. Tonight we're going to seek the face of God. Amen. Amen. So let's begin to pray. I want everybody just just feel free and the Lord will move around. We'll just pray and call out on the name of the Lord. Amen. Father, we just thank you tonight, Lord God, that your mercy endures forever. God, we pray for our nation tonight. Father, we pray for our president. 
of our nation, Lord, that you would give them wisdom, Lord. Father, we pray tonight that you would give him understanding, Lord, that you would surround him with godly men and women. The Lord, that there would be a godly influence over his life. God, we pray, Father God, that you would be a shield about him. And Lord God, that you would use him, Father God, for your own glory. For Lord God, the nations belong to you, O oh God. For you are the sovereign Lord. For the Bible says that the king's hand is in the hands of a Lord and you turn it whithersoever you desire. God, we're asking tonight, Lord God, that the crookedness and the corruption in our government will be exposed, Lord God, that we might be healed. Father, you see the deception, oh God. Lord, you see the lies, Lord God. You see the crookedness in our land, Lord God. Father, we are praying tonight. We are praying tonight that you would heal our land. In fact, Lord, we're praying that you will inspire the church to get on his face and begin to cry out to God. Oh God, we need you, Lord. We need you to touch our lives, Lord. We need you to touch our land, Father. We pray for this city, Lord. We pray against the spirit of religion. We pray against the spirit of religion, Lord. And Lord, there's a blindness that has taken place, Lord. We praying, Lord, that eyes will be open. That deaf ears will be unstopped, oh Lord. God, we're praying that the church will come together, Lord, and stop this fighting and stop this bickering. And Lord, that you would bring us together as one, as a mighty army of God, and that we will begin to shout and call out upon the name of the Lord, and that you would heal us, and you would hear us, and that you would set us free, and that, Lord God, our land would change, our family would change. God, we're not here to represent Democrats. We're not here to represent Republicans. We're here to represent the kingdom. And Father, we know that you've given us a government. And Lord, you call the church to pray for its leaders and to pray for our land. And Lord, we're coming together tonight, Lord, to, to, Lord, to consecrate ourselves before you and to say that we're serious about this thing, Lord. We want there to be a change, God. We want you to move, Lord God. We want, Lord God, there to be, Lord, a release that godly people will understand the importance of prayer in the schools for our children, oh God. The enemy is working and doing whatever he can, Lord, to keep people, to keep God out of schools, keep God, Father, out of public places, Lord. But Jesus, you will not be denied. You will not be denied. So we call upon you tonight. We call upon you tonight, Jesus, because, Lord, we know that only you can help us. Only you can help us, Lord God. Only you can set us free. Oh, just saints, just begin to pray and cry out to Jesus tonight. Tell him what's on your heart tonight. Hallelujah, God. Hear the cries of your people, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, hear the cry of your people, oh God. Hallelujah.